0: You can take your seats, you can take your seats, am I on? Okay, you can take your seats, oh, you've done that, okay. Well, what a joy to be here. And uh, I just have a feeling that you're going to have to get used to this face. So, uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, you need to take a good look because uh, it's as good as it gets, actually. <laughs> I'm believing that it'll get better, but uh, every day in the mirror, it, I have to live in denial. Okay. Um, so, it's Sunday morning, and uh, I've been preaching on Sunday mornings for coming up to 35 years, so I'm going to be good. And uh, <laughs> not just good in that this is uh, an incredible word I'm about to deliver, but good with the time, and, uh, and good for you. And so, uh, in a way, not really a conference word, but uh, more a kind of Sunday morning church word for the family. Amen? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So we will have um, a response, and uh, we're going to see some, some things just break over people this morning. Hallelujah. 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 Um, if you have your Bibles or your iPads or your iPhones or whatever, uh, you can turn to Genesis 28. Genesis 28. And so sometimes people, you know, pretend they're turning to the Bible on their iPhones. So you need to look and make sure that they actually have a Bible app there and they're not on Facebook and Pokemon or whatever. (laughs) Genesis 28. I have to say, I I mean, I I just caught myself with my own words there. Not that I'm a gamer, but I have sneaked sometimes onto uh, BBC Sport to see how my team did, you know. I know I'm the only one in the world that does that. Oh yeah, 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 right, right. But uh, actually I was sitting there and I just had a little sneak yesterday. And Newcastle United won 2-1, there you go. I'm actually a soccer fan, and I have a season ticket for Newcastle and never get to go. Because <laughs> I'm in Raleigh and other places around the world. Hey. Hallelujah. So that's that my little indulgence, okay? I know only me does this, so I'm just confessing it, Lord, in front of these holy, holy people. Okay. <laughs> Verse 10. Now, Jacob went from Beersheba, and he went toward Haran. And so he came to a certain place. Need to underline that one. So he came to a certain place. And he stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of that place, and he put it at his head, and he lay down in that place to sleep. Then he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on earth, and its top reached to heaven. And there the angels of God were ascending and descending. No, they were ascending and descending on it. Verse 13. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac, and the land on which you lie, I give to you and your descendants. And also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. And you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and in your seed all, say all, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land For I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. Amazing promise, isn't it? Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I didn't even know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. And Jacob rose early in the morning he took the stone that he had used for his head and he set it up as a pillar and poured oil on the top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel. But the name of that city had been Luz previously. And there was a reason why God appeared to Jacob at this time. And uh, he was... He was pleased to be known here as the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. And you would think, surely God would find the most perfect family in the whole world. That if he was going to be pleased to be known as the God of, then at least he should look for some measure of, of perfection or at least something there that he could, it could be said. That's why he chose them, because of their faith, their righteousness, their way of life. And of course, there are elements in that. We know Abraham; he's the he's the father of faith, you know. And and uh, and Isaac also planted in the land of famine and reaped a hundredfold. And now it comes to the next generation. Jacob. But actually, when you look at this family, it wasn't that great. They operated in the power of God, and they had a relationship with God, but at that natural functioning level, they weren't all that good. And actually, Jacob is here because he's now exiled from his family. It's the only reason he's here alone in this place and it's the reason why the lord had to appear, appear to him in this most dramatic way because he needed it because his own father had kicked him out or at least the circumstances that his father created was responsible for actually Jacob being estranged and exiled and sent to a, another family If we go back just a little bit, we'll read something like this. That the the boys grew. This is Jacob and Esau, twin twin brothers, completely different. In appearance, in manner, in personality, in life languages, and everything else. Totally different. (laughs) And the Bible tells us when they were growing up, that Rebekah loved Jacob. And as a result of that, he, he hung around the tents. So you can just say some of his personality there. You know, he was just that kind of guy. But Esau, Isaac loved. And he loved him because he was a hunter. He loved him because he could go out and he could kill and, and bring the meat home. And and the bottom line to this is that, that Isaac is loving Esau because he loves meat. <laughs> I mean, how ridiculous can it get? It's like, I love meat. <clears throat> this is the boy that gets me the meat, so I'm going to love him. And it's almost like poor Jacob is kind of like hanging on and he's He's wanting affection and he's wanting love and he's, he's wanting recognition. And o- the only place he can find it is not with his father, but actually with his mother around the tents with all the other women. He's trying to just fill this need within him that we all have to love and to be loved or to be loved and to love. And unfortunately, unfortunately, The place where that should happen more than anywhere else is often the place that's devoid of it. That we have children growing up in the knowledge that Jacob had that I'm not the favorite. And it's because I disappoint them because I don't provide what they need. And, you know, we should never, ever grow up under the burden of meeting the needs of our parents or our grandparents, ever. We should grow up in this freedom that we're uniquely made in the image of God, uniquely made as an individual to fulfill the purposes of God for my life and not the purposes of God for my parents or my grandparents. But how many of you heard your parents saying, you should have done that better? And you're thinking, why? And it had nothing to do with you. It was just like your mother wanted that better for her or your father wanted that better for him. And grandparents can get in on this as well. In a way, I was kind of caught up in that. My parents are Christians, my grandparents are Christians. On my mother's side, we can't even find the first one who got saved first. And uh, on my father's side, it was my grandmother as a 17-year-old walking forward and just getting saved at the altar. But my mother, my mother's father, my grandfather died when she was only six years old. And she had a three-year-old brother, and a nine-year-old autistic brother. Very autistic. And it was during the war, her father died of stomach cancer when he was only 35 years old. And so left her mother, who was fragile, to say the least. She mentally, emotionally, just in herself, she was just a fragile woman, and so, she just felt that the best thing that could happen right now is if a Nazi bomb came over and just took us all out. Me and the kids, just take us out, and then we can go to heaven with Andy, who was my grand grandfather, and we'll all be together in the suite by and by. That was her prayer. And she would take the children into the backyard. And actually pray that prayer as Nazi bombers were coming over. So my mother grew in that, you know, grew up in that. She was actually so ashamed the fact that she didn't have a dad, she made him up in school. She just made him up. And never told anybody that her father had died. And so when they're talking about their dads, she would talk about his, but he didn't exist. He was just imaginary. And that, that kind of infantile, immature behavior that you can accept as a child actually moved with her into adult, adulthood. And, and then, of course, she became a mother and it kind of moved into family life. And there we are, being brought up in the expectation of somebody else. And I want to tell you, it was horrible. Yeah. I never found myself during my childhood years, ever, never found myself, never had an identity, never, never knew who I, I really was. It took me till I was about 17, and before I actually got saved, found Jesus, and then I found Lois, you know, who was not like my family, and I just latched onto her, and it was like, huh, I can live with this woman. We were just 17, you know. Childhood sweethearts. Isn't this fantastic? Yeah. And uh, <laughs> we got married at 21, just 21. I promised my mother I'd be 21 when I got married. And so, yeah, I was 21 in a few days, and I got married. And, uh, and when I met Jesus, then I got identity. When, when I married my wife, who's an open book, you know, I'm a a closed one that's opening up a little bit more every day. And uh, I know, I know, I know. Carol's working on me really well on that. (laughs) But you shouldn't grow up like this. This is how Jacob grew up. You shouldn't grow up like this. Can I just say my mother now is like so precious I mean, all of that just doesn't exist, you know. I mean, it did fall off. She did get healed. I'll tell you what happened. 94, Toronto happened. And it fell on my mom and dad like you wouldn't believe. Yeah, you you remember, Carol. I mean, just like you wouldn't believe. She got breast cancer through that, and uh, I expected her to collapse, just absolutely collapse. And she says, well, okay, temporary challenge. She called it a TC. She says, I've got a TC. <laughs> so you got breast cancer. It's a TC. Wow. Temporary challenge. And she wouldn't even name it. She just would say TC. Wow. <laughs> <That's> so- <laughs> 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 anyway, she went through that whole thing, came out, and uh, while well, she's still alive today, and she's, uh, how old is she? I- oh, I should know this. <laughs> She's 85. (laughs) Uh, But you see, she needed a Bethel. And actually, what happened to us all in 94 was this. And and it's like almost God has to come and demonstrate like this and speak words into us because we never got it. We never got it in our childhood. We never we never got affirmed growing up when when and during those formative years when actually you need those words. You need people speaking faith into you and 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 speaking destiny and future. Jacob. And you might think, let me just backtrack a little bit. And you might think, well, you know, that's just sometimes family life. Let me tell you something. It's more than that. Because the result of this was that Esau lost his birthright and, well, gave it away and lost the blessing. I know it was prophesied and all of that, but as a result of this, he lost the birthright and he lost the blessing, and Jacob is cast out because one parent loved one above the other. Exactly. That's how devastating this can be. Yeah. That's right. Now, as I'm talking, I can see identification with what I'm saying. And really, we kind of just let that move through the years. We need a Bethel. We need something that's going to change. In fact, we need something more than a Bethel, and I'll come to that in a moment. But this kind of thing can rob you of your destiny. It can, it can rob you of the purpose of God in your life. And, and it tracks back to, grew up just not feeling I hit the mark. Just was told all the time you could have done that better. That would have been better if you'd done it that way. And then sometimes it comes with a little bit of emotion, you know, because it's not often a nice word. It's not like, you know, Ken, if you just did that a bit better, next time you do that, just try this, and you'll find it works better. It doesn't work like that, does it? No. It comes with emotion. It comes with hurt. It comes with wounding. And Jacob is deeply, deeply wounded. And he needs to know who he is. And the God of heaven stands at the top of a ladder and tells him, this is who you are. Regardless of whether your father loved meat or not or whether he was (laughs) vegan or whatever, it makes no difference to the way that I see you and what I think of you. I am the God of heaven speaking to you now, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and now the God of you. And in you, Jacob, Every family of the earth will be blessed. And I'll bring you back to this land, a land that I will give to you and your tribe. And you will be a mighty nation. We need to hear this. Because that's why Bethel exists. So that we hear words like this. Uh, He's actually been sent to Laban's house, you know, his Uncle Laban. Rebecca was good, you know. She was a liar, a cheat, and beautiful, beautiful woman. But she could lie. She could manipulate. She could cheat. And she taught Jacob how to do the same. And they probably thought they were very good until they met Uncle Laban. And then they realized, well, he taught taught Rebecca. (laughs) He's like Yoda when it comes to this kind of thing. He's so good that when Jacob comes into the household, he has two daughters, right? Rachel and Leah. And he likes Rachel a lot. Really likes her. So he Rachel becomes appealing to the eyes. He looks at her and he thinks, whoa, it's not such a bad deal after all. (laughs) And he asks Laban, I would like to marry Rachel. Now, any other decent father-in-law would say absolutely welcome into the family, not Uncle Laban. No, this will cost you seven years hard labor. Seven years. And you can have her. And he worked seven years. Hard labor for Rachel, the one that was appealing to the eyes, right? And then the wedding came. And the Bible says that they had a feast, which means they had a feast. Which means that they ate and they drank fermented grape juice and a lot of it, and Uncle Laban gets Jacob drunk, not in the Holy Spirit, just legless, (laughs) plastered out of his mind to the point he doesn't know where he's at, he doesn't know what's happening around him, and on the wedding night, the dirty dog switched the women. Oh, I am so glad my father-in-law only had one daughter. (laughs) 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 And when he wakes up in the morning, he's now sober. He's in his right mind. And he knows who's around him now. And he looks over... To kiss Rachel and it's Leah with the lazy eyes. Ah! <laughs> but here's the thing, right? That was a bad that was a bad deal, but was it? You see, he really should have married Leah. Because she was the one with a fruitful womb. And you see, sometimes we pursue what is appealing to the eye. But it might be barren. It might not be able to produce. And we pursue what is trending. And we pursue what is in vogue at, at that particular time. But it might not be fruitful. It might actually be very barren. And we need that discernment of the spirit where God says, I know, I know she has lazy eyes. I don't know what that means by the way, but I know she has lazy eyes. But but that's where your fruitfulness is. Come on. Right there. Wow. Lord, give us And so we just need to repent of pursuing what's natural and what's appealing. I mean, we heard this from Michael, right? Yeah. Michael Koulianos. We heard this from him. People coming up to him saying, Your worship needs to be like this because this is what's popular and this is what young people like. And you need to speak a little bit broader instead of just talking about Jesus all the time because, you know, people need a breadth of, of knowledge and such like. And, and so all the time they're actually coming to him and saying, You know, pursue. Pursue what is popular. But what he's looking for is the fruitful womb. And six of the tribal heads came from Leah. Half of Israel. Half of Israel. Well, I haven't researched it that far, but Duncan says the best ones came from her. Yeah. It took another three women to be fruitful enough for the other six. And yet there's Leah. And God saw her womb. God saw her fruitfulness. And it was God that moved her into the bed. God did that. So sometimes the hand of God moves what's not trending, what's not popular, and we think it's a no. But actually, it's a big God yes. Amen. Come on, give him a clap for that. Amen. Ha! He says you can, have, you can have Rachel and Leah, but it's 14 years hard labor, and so he has to work for 14. And then he works another six, and we know the story how by faith he built up a flock. Now listen, here's what I want to suggest to you, that the prosperity that came on Jacob, was massive. It was huge. It actually says that he became very prosperous. He was prosperous and then he became very prosperous. And I think the Bible's emphasizing that for a reason. In that, he actually overtook Laban in terms of what he had compared to him. I don't think Laban would have pursued him if it was a few sheep and goats and camels. But he saw that actually he has got more than me. Now, maybe he learned from this Leah situation when he comes to Laban and says, I'll take the brown. I'll take the speckled. I'll I'll take the striped. I'll I'll take those that you don't want. I'll take them. Because that's where the fruit is. Sounds a bit like God with us, doesn't it? I'll take the weak things. I'll take those of no reputation. I'll take those of, of, you know, just those that don't don't feel worthy of it give them to me cuz that's where the fruit is that's the fruitful womb right there and he builds up this huge flock this huge flock and god says okay now do a moonlight flit you know what a moonlight flit is if you're scottish you do <laughs> Flit is a Scottish term for, you know, just fly off. Yeah, fly away. So when a tenant doesn't want to pay their rent, this is in Scotland, they do a moonlight flit under the cover of darkness. So Jacob does a moonlight flit and takes his wives, his children, his possessions, his manservants, maidservants, His sheep, his goats, and everything, camels, the whole deal, and off they go. Eventually pursued by Laban, Laban catches up, but, you know, they get it put right and everything else. And then he comes to Peniel. And he hears news. Esau knows where you are. And he's coming to get you. You know, the Bible says that Esau gathered, is it 400 or 600 men? 400. 400 men. Listen. He's not coming just to kill Esau. You don't need 400. He's going to wipe out Israel. Sound familiar? This is like the first one that wants to wipe out Israel, and ever since, people have wanted to wipe out Israel. But it's never going to happen. Ever. It didn't happen here, and it's never going to happen. Come on. Come on. Ever. This is genocide he's, he's planning. This isn't just the murder of his brother. It started like that. But now this is a genocide of a whole nation. 400 fighting men. We're going to take them out. And he hears this. And he comes to this place. And just for time's sake, I'm just going to paraphrase this. And he comes to this place, which uh, is called Peniel. I mean, that's how we pronounce it, Peniel. He puts his wives and his children over the brook. And he stays there alone. And the Bible tells us that he wrestles with a man till the breaking of day. It's God himself. In the form of a man appears to him, and he wrestles with him. And God says, just let go. See, we can hear the devil say that every day. Just let go. Stop being fanatical. Stop being crazy. Stop being, you know, the way you are. Just, you know, settle down. Be a normal Christian. No. We hear the devil say that every day. But he's actually hearing God say, just let go. Like from time to time, God will come and just test us like that. And he says, I'll not let go until you bless me. I won't let go until you bless me. By this time, he's hips out, he's in agony, and he won't let go. And so it begs the question, if he's saying, I won't let go until you bless me, what kind of blessing is he asking for? He's got more, he's like the Bill Gates of his day. He's the richest man on planet Earth and he's asking to be blessed. What is that? More camels? More, more donkeys? More sheep? More goats? More wives? Maidservants? Is it? I mean, no. You see, there's a blessing that goes beyond the things. And here's where I feel it is, right? Twenty years, sons born, daughters born, two wives, maidservants, men servants, sheep multiplying, goats multiplying, becoming rich, prosperous and wealthy, but every day looking at the horizon. Because there's a death threat over his life. Because there's a contract out that his own brother is going to fulfill. He's coming to assassinate him, and every time he looks at his flock and says, oh, the blessing of God, he looks at the horizon. Every time he takes pleasure in his family, he looks to the horizon. Every time he's acknowledging this is the hand of God, he looks to the horizon and asks this question, is this the day he finds me? And you know, we can live like that. We can live in renewal like that. We can live in miracles like that. We can live in revival like that. And all the time we're doing it, something is on the horizon that is just gnawing away at our consciousness. Sometimes it can be like a hidden sin or it can be something undone. It can be a fear. He's in fear of his life. And I felt in the worship, this is what the Lord wanted me to really focus this on this morning. Just the fear sometimes that we're living with and yet living in so much. Living in so much, yet living with something else. I've never said it like that before. And we can lie in the front and we, can, and we can enjoy the Holy Spirit. And we're in it, but we're living with it. And it's something else. And it might be the fear. It might be words spoken in your childhood that you haven't actually overcome. It, it, it might be that actually an unnatural fear is upon your life. You know what? I suddenly found myself claustrophobic. And I'm thinking, where did that come from? And I was actually, I would only book an airline flight uh, seat on the aisle. I wouldn't go to the window, because I felt hemmed in, and I could feel the panic, because the thought would come, if something happens, you, you can't get out as quick. And, and then it, it affected me in elevators, and it, it affected me in crowds. And, and where did that come from? And then I remembered, when I was a little boy, playing on a building site and getting stuck in a, in a pipe, and my arms being been stuck. And I remember the panic of not being able to get out. I did get out. As you can see, I got out. But, but something came in. And the, the strange thing is, it didn't manifest until actually a few years ago. And I realized, whoa, you, you're, you're in it, but living with it. And I started praying about it, and I started, and I said, "I'm not having this." I wasn't given a spirit of fear. I, I, this is not of God. This is this is of the enemy, and and then I suddenly realized one day, "Hey, I'm not claustrophobic anymore. I actually don't mind if I get stuck in the, at the window seat, and I don't mind it." And and I said, Los, you know," because she had to. We would go to a restaurant, even go to a restaurant. And if, the, if a seat was there and it was kind of jammed in, I would make sure I was sat here at the table. And I would tell her, I can't sit there. I have to sit here. It was crazy. And I said, you know, Loss, I'm just not like that anymore. She said, well, when did that happen? I said, I haven't a clue. But I think it might have happened during a night of wrestling where I said to God, I will not let go until you bless me. You see, that's the blessing we want. That's the blessing, not the things. You know, we seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. It's not the things we're asking for. It's not more, more a bigger car. It's not a bigger house. It's not job promotion. All these things come, but we need the blessing where things actually are dealt with that we're living with, we're in it, but we're living with it, and today I feel the Holy Spirit wants to deal with that fear, anxiety, stress, and that stuff that you've kind of, you move, maneuvering your life around, it's just like, well, I can live through it, and I've got a great church, and I'm you know, I lie at the front and the worship is incredible. But you come in anxious. You go out anxious. You, tomorrow's Monday You you know there'll be something there. and But I can live with this. But we need a night of wrestling. We need to come to the point whereby we can say, I won't let go until this thing goes. And you know what happened? While he's wrestling... Esau doesn't want to kill him anymore. In fact, the biggest argument they have in their life is who will bless who. That was it. By the time they met each other, they're falling on each other's neck. Esau said, is all of this yours? And he says, yeah. Well, it was actually only half of it. And he says, yeah, it's all mine. And I think Esau just had a little thing. Well, that birthright thing really worked then, didn't it? And that, looking at the horizon, no longer was part of his life from that moment on. He never had to look again for a brother that wanted to kill him. He was living free to become Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. In fact, in that night, God changed his name and said, I'm calling you Israel, took him back to Bethel, The place where it all started and said this is the place I'm starting to call you Israel. If there's a keyboard player, that would be great. Anything you like? Oh, it's not him. It is him. Okay. Anything you like, as long as it's Christian. (laughs) Just saw a bit of rock and roll on them there. I just thought. (laughs) Let's stand. Well, thank God for the presence of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. The presence of God is here and it's like the Lord saying do you want to wrestle <laughs> would you like to wrestle with me today it might be painful your hip might come out of joint it's not like the blessing of Bethel which is an open pond blessing this is the blessing of Piniel, which is a clenched fist blessing But it's still God. It's still God. Fear, anxiety, stress. Looking at the horizon, wondering, is this the day? when it all catches up with me, I tell you, it might be worth just coming to Peniel and wrestling. We don't know how long that fight was (laughs) because we're just told it stopped at the breaking of day, but we don't know when it began. The text doesn't tell us, but I think it was all night. That's what I feel. So, if you're feeling like God, I'm going to take hold of you today. I'm not going to let go until you bless me. Beyond the things. Beyond the things. Something just has to fall off you today. Beyond the things. I want you just to raise your hands just so I can see this. I won't let go until you bless me. I'm sick and tired of looking at the horizon. I want a day where I don't have to look at that horizon anymore. So I'm just going to pray from the front. That's all I'm going to do. Because if I ask you to come out, then the whole church comes out. Just about. Huh? Well, the pastor said they don't mind it so I'm going to do that because it might be that God just puts Peniel right here so why don't you come to Peniel just leave your seat, just come to Peniel or Peniel whatever you call it here. and we are going to see a spirit of fear and a spirit of anxiety This is the best stress management you could ever get. won't let go lord we won't let go until you bless me this is not about a new car or a bigger house or a job promotion i'm tired of looking at the horizon and i want my first day of freedom to be today lift your hands right now. Holy Spirit, thank you for this moment. Thank you for this moment. And I pray right now. Whoa. In the midst of blessing, in the midst of provision and prosperity, in the midst of fruitfulness because we found the fruitful womb, midst of all of that I'm standing here today and I will not let go until you bless me beyond all of that beyond all of that spirit of fear you have no place here today and we command you to leave In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, anxiety go, stress go, fear go, insomnia go freedom come today I take freedom as the blessing of God and I will not let go until he blesses me for he who the son sets free is free indeed. Ha. ha! 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 Whoa! Whoa! Whoa, whoa, whoa. Just was aware of an overbearing, abusive father in some people's lives not sexual, physical abuse just beat you for no reason and trauma set in and fear set in look at me if that's you look at me if that's you abusive, overbearing father maybe you need to come just here fill this spot here if that's you know the Lord has just shown us that we got to get down to these traumas I I will not let go 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 ministry team i will not let go 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 we'll just keep ministering into that just keep ministering into that i'm kind of done really I'm going to let you go in a moment. But listen, this was a night of wrestling. So see this is the first move towards complete deliverance and freedom. Don't let go of it. Do not let go of this moment. For the rest of the day, get hold of him and not let go. Next week, do the same. If you need to find the counselors find them, don't let go don't live with this another day do not live with this don't feel I can get through my life, no no we're done with making the adjustments we're going for freedom